Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Hey, 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 Emily, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you, Michelle. I'm extra excited because I brought Iggy Pup with us today. Uh, You did, and he's already made himself known to the (laughs) listeners out there. He's just got to make his little presence known, say hello. Yeah, he's wanted to edit our our (laughs) opening for a while now. He he added added a little bit of flavor to it. That's right, a little (laughs) spiciness. So, yeah. yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, you know. Things are good. I'm... Um, settled into my new office space. I'm really, really liking it. Um, yeah, uh, looking forward to leaving in a few weeks to go. Well, on vacation with uh, with, with my daughter. daughter. Of yeah. course, when this airs, I'll be back. So right, right. I have to remember that. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's all That's it's good. all good. Yeah. I, and I li- I'm liking the the changing of the seasons here. I know a little break Finally. from that heat. Hmm. Right. What about you? Well, I'm feeling a little refreshed today. So my um, you know my schedule got a little crazy for a while because I was doing a couple of theater performances, and I just had a uh, performance closed last night. So yeah. it was so fun. I loved it. I was performing in a show called A Man of No Importance. Uh-huh. And I was playing in the orchestra pit. And um, it just, there's so many wonderful spots in that score for cello. The You can, t- you can tell the composer really liked cello. Yeah. So yeah. I had a lot of beautiful moments that I got to indulge in. So it was really fun. And the, the, the actors are all just phenomenal to act with this company which by the way the the former director of the company this show was her last show as artistic director wow. christina rios is going to be joining us in conversation very soon so oh, wow yeah be exciting to talk with her about her past her future plans that's exactly right yeah. so yeah Thanks. so no i'm feeling a little refreshed now that i've got a little bit more time and energy well, good. My side. Good. So. You can start, you know, working really hard on clearly speaking the podcast. I, I, then. Right, exactly. <laughs> Just yeah. You've been slacking. <laughs> One post a day is not enough. It's just Emily. not enough, Emily. You need to do two or three things. So, well, good, good. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear that you know things have settled down a little bit and getting some rest. Yes. And um, enjoying enjoying yourself a little bit, but uh, absolutely. We have an exciting uh, an exciting episode today. We do. And Fabulous guest. A dream guest. A dream guest. <laughs> yes. And you flatter me. <laughs> <laughs> of course we do. <laughs> but it's not hard. No. Yeah. Not at all. Not, not at, at all. all. Yes. Our friend Ruby Topping is joining us. Ruby is a, 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 a mutual, we have a mutual friend that connected us. Right. And uh, we had a chance to have a delightful conversation with Ruby a couple of days ago. And it was like, oh my gosh, we can't bring to bring her into the studio. So. Happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we before are. we get, we mm-hmm. delve into everything that makes Ruby tick, what are we drinking to make that happen? Oh my gosh. This wine is going to be perfect for our conversation. It's really, really, a really pretty wine. It's called Berestino. It's Malvasia Bianca. Um, this is an Italian white, and I I'm not familiar with um, I'm I'm not familiar with this producer, or really, actually, is this this might not even be Italian. This might be California. This is how unfamiliar I am with this bottle. We'll take a picture. We'll make to sh- make sure to share it. I'm seeing Monterey 2018. Do I need my glasses on and read anywhere. No, it's okay. We'll <laughs> we'll circle back to it. But um, I've I had it in my mind that it was a, an Italian wine, and I think that's because that's what our friends, the wine merchant, may have shared that with me. But I see the Monterey designation on there, so that's why I'm like, mm, I'm not so sure. Um, very uh, very good price point. This is right at that fifteen ninety nine price point, which nice. we like to stay within. Yeah, it tastes fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think you know these aromatics on this are just really lush. Yeah. And lovely. I've got, you know, some honey, white flowers of like jasmine and elderflower, and I'm getting some stone fruit like nectarine and peach and a little like yellow plum, you know, those pretty yellow plums that you get in France, like kind of, you know, some of the 
get those aromatics on there. This has really nice acidity. My mouth is salivating yeah. as I sip it. This is lovely. Yeah. I am um, I can smell the peach in there and I remember we drank uh we drank a white on the show and had was really peachy and really syrupy mm. to me. Mm-hmm. And this is so nice and light. It's yeah. not sweet at all. It's a good summer wine. Well, yeah. the balance is there. You know that acidity really helps mm-hmm. balance mm-hmm. and some of the there's also some kind of citrus notes on this too, which help to keep it from getting too, you know, sweet. So, yeah, I think this is lovely. What I'll it, probably need to drink like four or five <laughs> bottles of this really to be able to come up with an accurate description. Okay. Well, we'll circle back to you. <laughs> what Ruby, are. what are, yeah, yeah. What, what are, what are your thoughts on this? I think it's delicious. I'm a casual wine fan. And as I said, when we talked before, it, we, we sampled wine and I have only had a lot of local wines. I've not had much outside of Missouri. So these are refreshing changes of pace. Mm. A lot of flavors I'm not used to, but it's really good. I, yeah, I agree. There's definitely some aromatics that are surprising um, in this. The the honey, I mean, it's definitely got a, a bit of honey on the nose, but it's it's different than what I'm I'm used to, you know? And I do believe this is Italian, just like taking another look at the label and it oh. talks about... The Italian vineyard. So it's got to be. <laughs> Some it's connection. It's got to be, yeah. I mean, yeah. the name is Italian. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. what kind of panty is this, Michelle? Oh. Um, well, this is a panty that um, I'm seeing. Um, let me put my little thinking cap on. My reaction cap. I'm seeing like a really, really like like a white satin panty with um, sort of like some colors, much like the color of Ruby's hair, <laughs> like a fuchsia, <laughs> a fuchsia. Mm-hmm. and then like maybe like a teal blue and like just real like woven through, mm. you know, like, you know, that that's, sounds lovely. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a real, it's a great pair of panties that, you know, will stay in place and um, make you feel pretty at all times. Oh, I think that sounds Lovely. really nice. Those yes. are the best kind. Yeah. 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 So that's Absolutely. what that's what I'm seeing when I when I drink this um, mm-hmm. this wine. And I'm getting close to finishing this glass already. I must be thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what happens when you're negotiating. Or stressed. Or stressed, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Ruby came to us uh, through our friend Nikki, um, and you met Nikki through the hair industry, right? Yes, She's, yes. She was. She reached out to me about trying um, hair extensions on not specifically trans women, but women that are on hormones. Okay. To see how it affects the hair follicle, and it was a whole lovely experience overall. Oh gosh, yeah. how how did it affect your? hair? Hair. Um, my hair's naturally fine already, but I didn't see like a notable a notable um, difference as far as the bonding goes. I think mm-hmm. that's what she was really curious about. Um, if the hormones would fray the hair and cause mm-hmm. the bond of the extensions to come loose. Okay. But thankfully, that wasn't an issue. Yeah. How long into your journey um, before you started? Before she reached out and you were. Uh, it was literally months. The, oh, wow. the first few months of my uh, transition was a whirlwind. Oh, tell us about that then. Um, I came out right before my 39th birthday. Uh, I'm 44. Um, and it was, a, 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 like I said, a whirlwind. I came out on stage at, uh, well, when I first came out to a small group of friends over dinner, and it, they were very accepting, it was very positive. But, but when I went public with it, I, I came out on stage at Attitudes uh, in the Grove. One of my friends is a burlesque producer, and she was like, you want to do this on stage? And I said, sure. And I got up there, and I told everybody there that I was like, I'm transitioning to female. And it was just standing ovation, like the... The King of Pride that year was at my feet crying. Oh, and were you gosh. crying too? Oh, yes. Yeah. I almost passed out. It was a wow. really overwhelming experience, wow. but it was wonderful just to 
feels so accepted out of the gate because a lot of trans women don't have that experience. Yeah. Quite the opposite. Um, how how long had you sort of thought you wanted to do this and make the transition or and and like like the first idea that it came to you and then when you finally made that came out? I mean, how many years or oh, months or so many. I, I it's because I didn't understand it. Growing up in the seventies and eighties, I I didn't understand like the closest thing to trans people that we had like in the media or how I would have known was like people that had a sex change but they you know they just didn't talk about it back then so you know I experimented as early as like 11 or 12 in dressing in women's clothes and and it was super secret. I, I hid it really well. And Do you remember that feeling when you were 11 and 12 and what that felt like when you put on women's clothes? Oh, I, it just felt like me. Like, I yeah. liked who I saw in the mirror, but I, I didn't think it was something I could pursue. It had to be this secret thing that, because nobody would understand. So mm-hmm. I just, I hid it. And... My dad was, you know, an ex-Marine and very much one of those people that, you know, any kind of femininity was weakness. And, Mm -hmm. like, he he would not have it in his house. So, So basically, if you told him or showed who you were, Uh really were, he'd basically respond by beating you. Oh, yes. He's like the typical idea that we have in our head of that kind of a reaction. Yes. Yeah. And, like, he had a gay brother and, like... He would always yell at my brother and I, like, you don't want to be like him. And He would bark at you. <laughs> yes, right? just like Just that. like Iggy Pup would bark at you. <laughs> but And then when he would yell at you, that you kind of internalize that, huh? And yeah, that would definitely. Be like, 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 I, I can absolutely never. cannot come out like this. And, and well, you didn't even know really what it was no. at that point. No, I didn't understand it at all Like yeah. until years later. Yeah, yeah. And well, I knew I still liked girls, but I, so I wasn't, I just wasn't sure. I didn't think I was gay. I didn't think that's what it was because it was about presenting as a woman that was so appealing to me. Right. Well, you said something at our lunch the other day about people getting confused between sexuality yes. and gender. Yes. And you explained it so well. Would you mind kind oh. of giving like, you know, a real easy layperson's, uh, you know, education to the difference between sexuality and gender. Yeah, that was a big confusion for me. And uh, the T in LGBT is for transgender, but it's it's uh, LGB, like lesbian, gay, bisexual. Those are all sexual preferences. And T, the T in transgender is an identity. It's not it really has nothing to do with sex. So your gender your gender identity and your sexual identity are two completely different things. And that's kind of a new and new to us, and this yes. is all in air quotes, um, to have that understanding as a society. Mm-hmm. Because for I guess how many years we lumped it all together, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. And I and I think too, I, I was just having a conversation the other day. Just yesterday with someone who was, um, you know, confused also. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're like, well, what's the difference between a drag queen and someone who's transgender? You know, like these, and, you know, mm-hmm. I, these are all. Yeah. And know. what, or a transvet, uh, a person that likes to dress or like transvestite. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can still use those words. Some people do. Some people still identify, you know, as a transvestite. It's generally uh, the older the older crowd that mm-hmm. tends to still favor that word. I myself, I I don't care for it, but I I'm not going to try to police how someone else identifies. Mm-hmm. I don't see it as a slur. No, no, it's more. Isn't it like to me? And uh, forgive me. That's why oh. we have you on the show. <laughs> Wouldn't it be like um like. Like on this, and I don't want to offend anybody with using the word spectrum, but uh-huh. but a person who's trans transitioner transgender is mm-hmm. is taking on more than just the clothes. Yes, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So because there are people that just enjoy cross dressing, and would and that be the same thing as it, transvestite? I Yay, don't. Nay? I don't think so. Oh, I think that God, I've been really that would confused. be really considered just cross dressing. Okay, like they they just enjoy dressing up and um, how it feels, but they don't want to present as female. Mm -hmm. 
So and drag mm-hmm. queens, that's that's all performance based. It's all right. over the top, you know. Yeah. How you It's a persona. Yeah. It's a completely different right. persona. And it's an exaggeration of how a woman presents and mm-hmm. it's all performance based. Yeah. And early in my transition, I had people ask if I was a drag queen. I was like, no, no, no. Their makeup <laughs> is way better. <laughs> so now you've um you you're married. Yes. And uh, your your wife, how long have you been married now? Oh, it'll be two years in March. And how were you transitioned already when you mm-hmm. met? You were? Yes. Okay. So she never knew the other side of you. She the did, side. actually. Oh, she did. We, we met previously uh, through my ex-wife. Like, we got to the friend of a friend, and we like we just kind of orbited each other's social circles and... And just came back together later in life. That's wonderful. Just, I mean, this is somebody who knows every part of you. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And loves and honors all, and all she, aspects. She definitely says, you know, she knew the old me and knows who I am now. And it's, I really feel like it's two different people. Like, I can imagine. Like, I'm, I'm nothing like I used to be. I mean, there's traits of who I was before, but... Well, your heart is still the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my core. I'm yeah, but I mean, you are being affected by taking on uh, female hormones. hormones now, like way more estrogen than you had as as a as a young man um, yeah. or an adult male. Mm-hmm. So that will affect you. Yes. Um, what is that routine like? Like, what is the pill lineup or injection lineup? Like, what is... So I take, in the mornings, I take two uh, little estradiol pills. It's just estrogen, yeah. and I take a spiralactone. It's a testosterone blocker, and I was doing injections every two weeks. What and kind of uh, of it's more estrogen? estrogen? Yeah, it's just like a because the the pills, the estradiol pills, have to go through like That's your it. liver, and like you, how much estrogen you actually get from it isn't as much as if you do the shot directly. It goes right in. Okay. How quickly did you see changes in your body from when you started the, taking the hormones? About six months. Yeah, wow. it, it took a while, but when they did happen, it was it was I had to relearn my whole body. It was a whole experience. So did you get like breast tenderness? You know, yes. like when we remember getting mm-hmm. when, in puberty when you know the when the boobs were coming in, right? Oh, or and before every period, or you know, like, right, right. But I was just curious. Did you yeah. have that similar type of of um, reaction or, or yeah, the the mood swings came first. Like, okay, like I cried a lot at nothing. <laughs> but I that no, because it's just a beautiful day outside. Yeah, I bet that was confusing. It, it was yeah. at first, but like I was already sentimental and like easily, you know, triggered, triggered, like dri- driven, driven to tears or moved, and like I've literally cried on accident, like just, just like actual ball yeah. of tears like my wife was teasing me we were we were joking jokingly arguing one day and she's like i'm not talking to you and and i started pouting you know just like yeah. stuck my lip out and pout to kind of tease her and she goes oh no and when she said oh no my eyes just welled up with tears <laughs> and l- i literally started crying and she's like why are you crying i'm like <laughs> oh, I was like, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It took me like minutes to get myself back together. It was ridiculous. And that uh, change six months in, are you? Uh, do you have a um, a, a target? look our balance that you're going for like the doctors have you like okay we're going to start you here but we'll bring you back up or get you to a certain level of estrogen and then you will stay at that level of estrogen like for the rest of your life or okay like now if i finally get the surgery because i am pre-op i haven't had any surgeries just hormones um if i get that once you remove the testicles you'd no longer produce testosterone so I wouldn't have to take the testosterone blocker and estrogen. my estrogen levels would naturally go up. Okay. And I wouldn't have to take as much estrogen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I, I think it is uh, brave and <laughs> tremendous to, you know, um, to think about the, the surgery aspect of it, you know, um, it's anytime you go into surgery, yeah. it's, it's a scary thing, but that's a 
big one. It's a big one. It's yeah. there's six weeks of recovery time. You usually have to go out of town because not a lot of doctors in the United States are very skilled in it. So mm-hmm. you have to be picky about who your doctor is. A lot of people have to travel out of state. My doctor wanted me to go to Thailand because I've they're heard, the best I've down heard there. That, yeah. And really? it's cheap to stay. It's not cheap to get there. Yeah. But once you're there, it's mm-hmm. less you expensive. Could easily get an inexpensive hotel and stay there for the length of your recovery. Which is up, like six, six weeks. weeks. But didn't you say you have to like lay down like on in bed? Yeah, in bed ridden? Yeah. Wow. And you have to dilate and there right. there's a lot going into that healing process. It, it sounds is, painful. It is very painful, and yeah. I've heard a lot of trans women, you know, that's the hardest part. They really struggle with that, and I, mm-hmm. I even know a few that the surgery didn't go as planned, and they have deep regrets because they felt like they were forced into this surgery by their doctors because some doctors believe if you don't go all the way, mm-hmm. you're not really trans or you're wasting their time. And Really? Oh, yeah. that's... It's getting it, better. I, yeah, I would say it's your body. You do it's your decision, right? Right, whichever direction you choose to go. Right, and that's why it's important to be picky with your doctor. Is you got to find the right endocrinologist to balance your hormones? Because I see one every three months, and they do blood work, like take three or four vials of my blood to check my hormone levels every three months, just make sure everything's balanced. Because if it goes one way or another, well, and if you stop the 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 biology of you would then revert back to yeah. to more of the testosterone, more of the male. Yeah. And so you're trying to get, you're trying to um, have the body reflect your soul, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So can I ask a physiological question? Absolutely. So um, the the hormones and everything you're taking now, mm-hmm. um, I, I, obviously it's, it's, per, it's, you know, you've produced, you've, made breasts yeah. naturally like um with you know things like the testicles mm-hmm. and you know the genitalia has it provided a shift in that area very like much organically so. yeah yeah like everything shrinks up down there um like um, and i and i'm not well, i have no reason to like try to brag before but i was <laughs> i was decently endowed and mm-hmm. definitely as i as i as i get older there were times when testicles hit the water in the toilet when you're sitting there oh and my okay not a problem anymore <laughs> yeah not a problem at all in a year's time a year and a half it was shrunken up dramatically okay so this is a strange question because there is so much male pride associated with the size of their penis and Mm -hmm. their balls like Mm -hmm. and i understand that you didn't identify as a, a man right but i'm just curious like when you were a man yeah were you proud of your penis and then like, how did that feel from an ego standpoint to see it kind of disappear? Where you're like, whew, it's disappearing on its own? Or Yeah. Well, <laughs> before, yeah, you know, like like every male presenting person, you're like, you try to take pride in what you have. And, 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 and before I understood that this was something I could do and wanted to do, I, yeah, I, I took pride in it, but... Yeah. After, you know, the therapy and I realized who I really am and and, and came out, you know, the, it couldn't go away fast enough. Okay. Because that, that's a common misconceptions about, you know, trans bathroom stuff is that they think we're in there waving our genitals around <laughs> at children and random women. <laughs> and no, we are terribly ashamed of our genitals and don't want them. And we're definitely not trying to show them off. Right, yeah. and nor are you in there looking at other people's nope. genitals. I mean, most trans women they just want to get in, do their business, get out mm-hmm. because there's potential for like if if somebody like they call it clocking when somebody's checking like they 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 look at you and tr- mm-hmm. they're trying to think is that is that a man that's clocking? Uh... So if they see somebody clocking you. It, it makes us scared. We're like, oh, God, where's this going to go? Is mm-hmm. she going to make a scene? I just want to get out of this bathroom. And now I'm too, I have too much stress and I can't pee fast enough. Yes. And I have to make it sound like a regular person, like a yes. woman's pee versus yes. the sound of a man, a, a pee coming from a man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. it's difficult. Gosh. So with um with the with the changes that have happened how did that change your um your sex drive 
and um, just were, were the there, first few yeah. months were awkward. Um, and as the changes happened, they they were painful. Really? Like, well, I guess because I guess as as things shrink up, it it kind of atrophies a little bit, and mm. and then and I was casually dating at the time, and sex was painful. Like anytime I got an erection, it hurt because it stretches that skin back out. Oh. And, yeah. you know, I wasn't trying to, ha- I was trying to have sex like a guy still. Mm-hmm. And that, no, that after wasn't... a certain point, you just can't. It hurts and like erections are painful until, you you know, things settle down down there. It's, it's not a pleasant experience. And it's one of the many reasons I had to relearn my body and how to have sex as a trans woman. And yeah. it's, it how... makes casual sex very hard. Did, um... Uh, forgive my ignorance. Do you still ejaculate when you have an orgasm, or is that off? That doesn't happen anymore. It does, but it's different. Like the viscosity is different. It's got a totally different texture, and as and orgasms are totally different. Like, so, descri- explain, describe. So, a male you- orgasm, you know, it's usually or you know, centered at the the center of the penis, and it's a as a rush, and then. An explosion. Done. Yeah. Like a big <laughs> blown of pleasure and you're done. And, and it's like five seconds kind of a yeah, three, five it's, seconds it's very, maybe. It's a very quick, intense feeling. And a, like I'd say a year, maybe a year and a half into my transition, uh, I had a different kind of orgasm. And it was it like I almost fell off the bed. Oh, wow. <laughs> like I felt it in my lower back and... It's like this whole pelvic area sensation, and it, the the pleasure is it's not as intense, but it stretches out longer. Mm-hmm. You ride and, it longer, yeah. And you could definitely achieve multiple orgasms. And like I said, the the ejaculate was a different like texture. It wasn't like. Like you see, mm-hmm. like in the movies, like the guy shoots across right. the river. So, it's I nothing wonder, like I that. wonder if it's just the semen that's coming and not actually any sperm that included right. with that. Yeah, yeah. Like the like hormones the- do, like the testosterone blockers and the higher estrogen content. Your sperm count is basically nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. not something I have to worry about unless I get off hormones because I was looking into a vasectomy before I transition. Okay. So. Okay. And so now that you have the wonderful joy of experiencing um, an orgasm as a female. <laughs> and I thought this was in my head. I had to ask my doctor. Is like, this, is this legit? Am I, am I just like imagining this? And he's like, no. I hear this from a lot of trans women and this is, this mm-hmm. is something that's pretty common. So it was a pretty awesome experience. Well, I, th- I would think about it like we talk about how there's 8,000 nerves in the clitoris. Mm-hmm. Right. You yeah. know, and so like, you know, I can see how as things are condensing, mm-hmm. you know, your your pack of nerves are getting closer together. Yes. Right? So in... Um, and and going deeper. Going de- yeah, more within. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So right. Um, I could see how like that intensity one shifts. Right. But it's also feels very different. I would hope that now um, that you've been in a transition um, and on the hormones, sex is more pleasurable now than it was. Okay. Okay. But the drive, I will say the drive is pretty much gone. Like I still enjoy sex. But foreplay matters now, doesn't it? Oh, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. Like I can't just jump into things. (laughs) You can't just think about it and let the wind blow and then be ready to go, right? Right. Did you find a difference? Um, So I remember hearing an interview once of somebody who transitioned and they they talked about how, you know, when – and they've actually transitioned the other way that um, they were originally female and transitioned Mm -hmm. to a male. And and his surprise was how much like he had once the, all that testosterone was in place, he, his desire to objectify women was greater. Like he he you know he was like like I it. like kind of an asshole. Like yeah. like oh there's a woman look at her boobs you know like he just he couldn't stop himself from Tes- wanting to like screw every woman and think about it. Yeah, testosterone it fuels a lot of anger. It fuels a lot of desire, and it's. It's a tough beast to wrangle, and I don't miss it. 
I don't miss it at all. <laughs> well, I remember when I had my colon surgery and uh, they ended up taking off at one of the one of my ovaries. And if you've missed any of those episodes, mm-hmm. you know you can go back into the podcast <laughs> uh, vault and listen to those episodes. But I remember, um, you know, the they they said that my my remaining ovary would eventually kick in, and that's what you know your estrogen's coming from. And I remember for like six weeks being really angry and I could just like at the drop of a hat you know go off and um and I just felt like I was like a like like a porcupine the whole time with my bristles out Mm -hmm. and I thought if this is what it feels like to be a guy every day I don't want to be that I I can't imagine how hard it is for trans men like experiencing testosterone in that it's because it's concentrated they do the shots too and that kind of surge of testosterone all at once, I I can't imagine yeah. how intense that is. Sounds kind of horrible. <laughs> yeah, well, so it's, it's kind like, of yeah. like you've gone from that um, uh, powerful masculinity feeling mm-hmm. to a, like a sedate, yeah. um, you know, life is okay, kind of like a zen. I definitely feel like I found kind of an inner peace. Very, very zen. I rarely get angry anymore. You know, I still yeah. get frustrated, but like I probably haven't felt like rage in years. Like, well, you definitely wow. have this peaceful yet bright, happy, <laughs> just presence. Like you can tell that you are a very happy person and I try. and you glow, you know, so um, it's it's clear that this is this is who you are that's yeah. presenting Thank you. in front of us. Yeah, it's lovely. So our glasses are a little yeah. empty now, and that is uh, some great uh, Italian wine. Perfect time to refresh. Take a little break. And then yeah. when we come back, I'd really love to like dive more into maybe some of the, the challenges, mm-hmm. some of the, the great things that you've experienced, um, and, uh, and how, you know, like we can like have answer some of those kind of questions. Absolutely. A conversation like that. Sound Thank good? you. Sounds great. All right. We'll be right back. call michelle we definitely needed to refresh this because it is so yummy it's a delightful it really delightful is. little yeah and and for 15 dollars, oh, you perfect. can't go wrong with having a couple of these in your in your fridge for any time that's right anytime you don't have to feel guilty about drinking this mm-hmm. bottle by yourself right all alone <laughs> And I mean, it's also porch. a great bottle to share. It's a perfect bottle to share. You get good bottle karma. Yeah, but I'm also I I always look for things I'm not going to feel guilty about if I drink it all by myself. <laughs> you know, because like when you spend a lot of money on a bottle of wine, and you know, a lot of money is relative. Um, sometimes you're like, oh, I would like some wine, but I spent a lot on that. I don't know if I should really open that up just to sit here in my house and watch. You know. Binge watch things on Netflix. Sometimes. I'm that way when I buy ice wine. Oh, the, sure. It's, the bottle is so small and it goes it's so fast. But mm-hmm. it, oh, it's so good. <laughs> you know, I think it's just sometimes you just need to treat yourself, even well, if it's not a special occasion. Just pull out. So that I actually one. have that recorded on my phone. Emily saying, "No, Michelle, just go ahead and treat yourself." So when I am <laughs> worried or wondering, I'll go. Hold on, let me just play that little recording. It's okay. <laughs> Emily said I can treat myself. That's right. And then I pull the, the glass. Maybe the we should up. make that a podcast extra <laughs> sure, for our listeners. Sure. <laughs> if you'd like to download that audio file yourself for your phone, uh, send us a dollar ninety nine. Go treat yourself ringtone. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, well, before our break, you know, we were talking with Ruby about transitioning as a life as a trans woman, and and I was what I. Would love to kind of dive a little bit more, a little deeper on mm-hmm. like some of the greatest challenges, and then like some of the greatest benefits that you've experienced. Well, the challenges I would say was that I immediately noticed was you're highly aware of your well, you're you're aware of your privilege as a male before, but once you transition. And a lot of things become really apparent, like just how jarring, how different it is. Like going out a walk on your own, like you can't yeah. 
do that in certain places as as a woman and and especially as a trans woman it's right. more difficult to go and i was pretty naive and i've put myself into some dangerous situations like you know not thinking because i never had to worry about that before or how you're treated at work yeah and did they uh did they automatically cut your pay 30% you know <laughs> since you, when you transitioned they didn't directly, but the way I was treated but, after that, it, they might as well have. Like, uh, I, they doubled my workload, like everybody. I worked for this company for 14 years. It was a company called Essex. I was a lot of people's good friend. Like, people come to talk to me, and we would hang out after work. And after my transition, there were maybe two people in the entire company that were comfortable talking to me anymore. It was just this... This outcast after that. And I wonder what it is that when people do that. Is it because, and I, you know, we don't have all the answers here. I'm just speculating. Right. Yeah. Is that they just don't know what to say anymore to you? Like, okay, we used to talk about guy things, or now, now you're a girl. Now you're now you're you know Ruby, and yeah. I don't have any. I'm I'm a I'm a guy. I don't know how to talk to girls. Right, right. Or they instantly think I'm going to come on to them now that I'm presenting female. I'm like, don't flatter yourself. <laughs> but there, there were people like that, like a lot of the supervisors and the guys, because it's a warehouse. Mm-hmm. They, they just didn't know how to act around me anymore. It made them uncomfortable. Did they think and it was like a, a virus they could catch? I, and they're worried about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that they they wouldn't talk to me and. And I would hear all these rumors or like, oh, or like, you're just going to go get stuff chopped off. Are you pushing it on your kid? And I was like, what? What? No, no. Like, your kid's going to get abused at school because once they figure out what a freak his dad is. Oh, that's a question. Yeah. Does your son still call you dad? No. Um, When he came back and he's like, do I have to call you mom? And I was like, are you comfortable with that? I would love that, but you don't have to. And he says, can I call you Ruby? And I was like, absolutely. And it's like, he respects my pronouns. He's, he, God, I don't think he's ever slipped up that I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Um, But he, he was one of my biggest supporters. I'm, I'm very fortunate that, you know, I came out when he was 16, 17, so... Or maybe fifteen. Mm-hmm. I think back, but he accepted it, it. Yeah, he accepted it. Uh, I made the mistake of telling him when he was staying with his mom for the summer, and he accepted it outright and was very happy for me. And then days later, I got this phone call of him in tears and said that his mom told him a bunch of stuff like, "I'm changing super fast. I'm not going to be the same person. I'm going to be miserable and." A weirdo, and no one's going to talk to me, and I'm not going to know how to talk to him. And that's so sad. And I couldn't get through to him. I was like, mm-hmm. no, none of that's true. Like, I'm sorry. Did like, you have to have a conversation with your ex-wife to? She get- wouldn't talk to me at the time. Like, oh, she, okay, she was like, I don't want to tell him. You sprung all this on him, and I don't want to tell you. And that was the gist of what she would say to me. And I was okay. like, did your ex-wife? I mean. I- did when you were together? Did you ever dress as a woman? Did she know that you had this? No, no. When I was with her, it was my my first like serious relationship. We were both very young. We got together very young, and yeah, there was it. There was no. I I wouldn't say I left any hints to that. You were still living that life that you're... I thought was, I was supposed to live. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. right. Having been raised by a military or yeah. family. Yeah. A conservative right. mindset. Yeah. Um, and so that was the, your with your first wife, you had your, your child, mm-hmm. your son. Okay. Yeah. And, and your wife, current wife now is number two or... Three. Three. I was married. I've been married three times, uh, 10 years to my first wife. Seven years to my second wife and two years to my current and hopefully <laughs> forever no more. No more. <laughs> I've never connected with a woman the way I have with her. And I totally credit a lot of that to my transition and opening myself to emotions that I didn't allow myself to experience to the degree that I do now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we have a deeper connection that I've sh- ever shared well, with a partner. Physiologically, you weren't necessarily... Um, 
maybe you were blocked more? Like now that you're not having as much testosterone running through、mm-hmm. your body, I mean, you know, sometimes some of like the best thing, the best people in our lives are our girlfriends. Oh, mm-hmm. you know,、right. like you can connect and and so you have like with your wife. Yeah, she's your girlfriend too, right? Yeah, you get、totally. that as well. And that's one of the major pluses about my transition is the bonding that I've been able to do with my female friends. I have a lot of burlesque performer friends, and like how I've bonded with them, and like we'll get together and like to prep for their shows, or we'll like be backstage and talking and like opening up. The first few months of my transition, like there were there were points in going going out to bars with my friends, and they they take me like okay, we need to go talk and have a talk, and they take me <laughs>、yeah. to the bathroom, and I was like. <laughs> This is what this is like. Isn't it fun? <laughs> Bathroom conversations with girlfriends is,、oh. yeah, where it's at. Normally, the last place I want to talk is a bathroom, but you go to those nicer bathrooms and it's. And it's, I, yeah, I think, you know, the, to me, the best bathroom to have conversations with is at the Ritz, you know, in Clayton. Because、oh, that's like the most beautiful bathroom. And the lighting、one. is fantastic there. So、yeah. no matter what, even if you're having an ugly cry, it'll be like the prettiest ugly cry <laughs> you've ever had. I've definitely had, had those in bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so like moving from like living the life of a, of a male with the male privilege, seeing, Um, what it's like now as a trans woman.、Mm-hmm. Uh, do you find yourself to be an even greater advocate for female causes? Definitely. Hands down.、Okay. I'm like, like、uh, we were discussing like intersectional feminism.、Um, and like trans women are a big part of that because there's, there's a big divide in feminism where they think trans women don't belong because we don't have a uterus or. A vagina, and they're like, they don't understand why pussy hats are a problem. And a lot of trans women find, you know, find that offensive because not all trans women have a, have a vagina,、yeah. right? Like,、mm-hmm. so I get the symbolism of it, though. It、yeah. personally doesn't bother me, but I see where、People、it would cause ex- an issue. It ex- it's excludes yeah. some women. Yeah. Well, yeah. I never thought about it like that way. And、mm-hmm. I, have, I have one. Mm-hmm. I, wear, I wear it to all of my,、um, my, my Trump festivals. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally get the point. And I, I fully support, you know, like women's rights 100%, especially the reproductive rights that we're, you know, having to fight so hard for now. Right, right. And a big part of Planned Parenthood shutting down is they had a lot of services for trans women as well. Yeah. Like, and I mean, and as a,、um, As a trans woman and taking the estrogen pills and the estradiol, or how do you say it, estradiol, I mean, would, would those、um, uh, hormones become less available、uh, with the way that the you know,、uh, Congress and the states are going with trying to limit reproductive freedom for you know, biologically born females? Yeah, absolutely. And there's. So many trans folks coming out now that、mm. there has been a shortage on certain hormones, that it's starting to become a problem and access to them, to, especially to poorer people, they're, they're very expensive without insurance. Yeah. I'm very fortunate that all the jobs I've had since my transition covered my hormones. Right. That's great. Right.、And、hopefully, hopefully, hopefully, I'll get, I'll get into the surgery one of these days. Well, do you think you, when you get to that point,、um, you know, you'll, you'll know that now it's the time, it's the right time for it? I mean, because, like, have you described it? It can't be, I guess, have you spoken to、um, those who have had the surgery and have been so thankful they did it and didn't have regrets? Oh, yeah, absolutely.、Okay. Like, there's,、okay. there's people I've talked to that it's changed their life for the better. And I, I, Do want it, but if I, if, if you know, finances don't work out and timing doesn't work out, I'm not going to let it, you know, like wreck me. Like it's、yeah. not who I am. Right.、So. What is the cost range?、Um, without insurance, like 20,000, around 20,000 is like the average cost of a SRS, the sexual reassignment surgery.、Mm-hmm. A lot of trans women that I've talked to have opted out of the whole surgery and they just go with the, or, I think it's called an orchiectomy, where they just remove the testicles. 
Okay. Okay. And that would stop the testosterone production. And and essentially after uh, years of transition, the what's left of the penis functions like a clitoris anyway. So some right. people are okay with that and some people get that and then get the full surgery later on. Okay. But it's more difficult because if they cut, they take the skin off of the scrotum, then that changes the, the vaginal right. wall. Right. Yeah. So they usually have to take a skin graft off of your leg yeah. to make the vaginal wall, and it's more expensive. And so it's it's kind of a big decision. Like, are you going to go through with this and make the next step that much more difficult? Mm-hmm. Or you get this and be happy with that? Right. That. Makes a lot of sense. So from be, from the before you came out mm-hmm. to now, when you prior to coming out, you would I would going to guess your happiness level with yourself was under fifty percent. Oh yeah, there there are some photos that I've shown. <laughs> like I like before and after. Uh-huh. There was one right after my first divorce that I was absolutely miserable. I stopped grooming. I was just I looked. You look at a lot, of, a lot of my older pictures, and I looked miserable. And I've made that a point as, to not take those off my Facebook. They're still there. Okay. You just got to go back through all of my new selfies. Okay. And then, like, now, pre-op, mm-hmm. where are you on the scale of, you know, one, zero to 100 in happiness with yourself? Um, like, I would say I'm probably 85%. I'm pretty happy with who I am now and... Would I like to go the rest of the way and get that 100% and not have dysphoria and like not like the times it hits me is like when I'm in the shower mm-hmm. or, you know, Girl, sitting down to go to the bathroom. What? Like, <laughs> when I part of being in the shower, yeah. I get hit with like, you know, dysphoria. I mean, <laughs> and yeah. I was born with it, you know, yeah. and it's kind of like, so, you know, if you take that, that ability to, you know, hate yourself in the shower, you may not really be all the way girl. <laughs> <laughs> Reserve that. <laughs> well, I think the, the thing that most people experience like with the body, like, not unhappiness with their body that's called body dysmorphia and then with your gender like the gender dysphoria is like you just don't feel like your your body matches who you're supposed to be right but but both of those are big issues body dysmorphia and gender dysphoria are two big issues which lead a lot to a lot of depression in a lot of trans folks Right, and the, the I guess the really the thing to stress home is for our you know our listeners who are not well versed and you know have this huge uh, vocabulary with it, you know um, a gender identity is not your sexuality. Yeah, and when right. you when you can separate those two, I, I think everything gets to be a whole lot easier. Yeah. to understand. I want to um, ask about your family. Yeah, um, you absolutely. know, I know that you grew up in a very conservative background. Um, yes and no. How have they accepted um, your transition? And do you tell me, like, what, what's your sibling situation? Okay, so I was raised. Um, my family were drug dealers. Like, cons- they were. Like conservatives as far as, you know, gender and sexuality, but everything else. Like, <laughs> okay. Th- like, I didn't know growing up that weed and cocaine was illegal until Dare came into middle school. And there's a state wow. trooper holding bags, and they're like, you'll go to prison for the rest of your life for just this much. And I'm like, it's all over my house. Like, <laughs> I was terrified in that class. Like, they were passing it around so we could see what it looks like. And I was like, nope. You're like, oh, I know the grade of this. Nope. No, I'm not touching that because it was as normal for me as cigarettes was. So I, so they were users as well oh, as absolutely. dealers. And I wouldn't doubt that I spent half of my childhood high as a kite because— the windows were always up because of air conditioning and like that our house was always smelled filled with smoke. Of weed. Oh, so you were like I like to joke and say you were secondhand stone. Oh totally. Yeah. I guarantee you, my brother and I both. But over but, like wouldn't you smell though? I mean, you would think when you go off to school that somebody would notice how, that you but smelled you differently. Different. Nope, yeah, but, I didn't yeah, know it. Think that- but no, I never had that problem. Like I never had any scares until like eighty nine when one of their one of their uh, buyers got caught and said he was going to rat people out. We moved to Georgia. Oh my god! I had to leave my whole family behind, or like all my friends, and like in '89, and we moved to Noonan, Georgia, about thirty miles south of Atlanta, and I for a year of like intense poverty. 
It was insane. Have you watched the TV show Ozark? No. You probably oh would identify with them because they moved to Georgia. But, <laughs> they, they're right in drugs for the Mexican tar- cartel. <laughs> but yeah, I, I grew up around drugs and my dad drank a lot on top of all of that. And they were like verbally abusive to each other and us. Mm-hmm. And like, How many siblings do you have? I have a brother, okay. uh, a younger brother, about three years younger than me. And How is he doing? He is in prison. Okay. For drugs? No, surprisingly. He but it's related to okay. drugs. He okay. got strung out on opiates and robbed a Walgreens, not a block from his house. He was oh. just, wow. And he's the sweetest, kindest person, but he lost himself to to opiates. Yeah. And oh. I didn't recognize who he was. He's been in there for the last eight years. He gets out in a hundred days. And wow. he's got his GD. He's clean. He's very much wanting to straighten out his life. And I'm very excited to help him. And he's embraced who I am. He was very excited to have a sister when he gets out. Oh, yeah. that's so wonderful. Yeah, we, we stay in contact. Like, he's still a big part of my life. And, like, he calls me his sissy. And he's he's <laughs> very excited to, oh, to have, a sister. have a sister. Uh, oh, does I'm he have any close. children? No. Okay, so you have the only uh, uh, grandchild or, yep. or um, nephew. Fantastic. But there was a time when they were really bad. They were my parents were on meth. Oh, because like, it went yeah. it went weed, coke, like, and when we moved to Georgia. That's when they started experimenting with meth, and then we well, moved back it's to cheaper, St. Louis. Right? Yeah, you know, yeah. then we started. We moved back to St. Louis and they were on meth and it was real bad. And I I couldn't wait to get away from them. And at that point, I met my first wife and we met online and I moved in with her family, which was very, you know, very Christian, very much like not what I was used to. Yeah. So I moved to East St. Louis to get away from the suburbs of St. Louis, from Melville, because it was better than where I was. Wow. 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 Okay, that's telling. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You have had quite the journey. <laughs> quite an adventure. Yes. Oh. Are you writing a book? Yes. Okay, I, good. <laughs> I, I am writing a book. Um, it's is going to be a Netflix series, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure no. it totally would, it would, would I be. No problem telling my story. I've like I've I've been on the radio before. I was a co-host of a show called The Gaberhood. Oh my gosh! And we, yeah, that happened. Uh, the the burlesque producer Charlotte sometimes was hosting uh, this show called The Gaberhood with a couple of other uh, well-known people in the community and she had me on as a guest and after that and she's like we have no trans voices on this show i know you just came out but would you like to be a co-host and be the trans voice of our show and i was like that's a lot of pressure but yes yeah who were the other hosts on the show it was jim weckman who used to be one of the owners of rehab um there was karma cassidy as a drag queen so I was interviewed on this show once. Was it before? Was it still? Was it called the Brazen Hussy Hour? Or like the show <laughs> evolved over the years? I think it would have been the Gaberhood. Uh, well, this would have been. Let me think about this. Um, five or six years, five years ago? Yeah. Six years ago? So yeah. that's how I've met you before. <laughs> it's entirely possible. <laughs> I've met some amazing people through I, that show. It karma, opened a lot of doors for me. Karma yeah. was there, but you were, I'm thinking not, you weren't a, a it was woman. before then. I came on. Well, were you a woman mm-hmm. on the show? You were. Yeah, it was post-transition. So, yeah, karma was not dressed as a woman that right, day. Right. But still was very much like yes. talking about, you know, I don't think they can not stuff. be like <laughs> So that's interesting to me. I I bet I bet that's what it was because I came on when I launched the St. Louis Arts Alliance. Oh, okay. Okay. I and thought you were going to be like making some big pronouncement here on clearly speaking. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, ready for it." <laughs> I think I might remember that actually. So, yeah, so we were um my you know, my creative director was Brandon Fink, and together we um, were promoting one of our collaborations. It would have been either our first or second one. It would have been, um, we did Morse Renaissance was the first theme, and then the second one was Black Angels or something like that, where we had the uh, George Crumb um, Black Angel 
he's performed and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, it was always I I, I was interviewed by the a whole there were like four yeah four yeah hosts that yeah. interviewed me. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so fabulous. Small world. <laughs> oh well, that that the brings... tables turn. Right, right. <laughs> so so let me ask you, um, you know, wrap up with like your your hopes for the future, your hopes for the future for you and for trans people for St. Louis community. I mean, it's a lot, I know, but... Uh, well, under under Trump, things have been a lot harder for us. And, yeah, for a know, lot of us. Yeah, he, yeah yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but I, I will always be a very outspoken, non-apologetic advocate for women in general, and especially trans women. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, things things have got to change. Like there's we've backslid so much in just these last 4 years with women's rights mm-hmm. and so it's sadly so many women don't see it. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I will always push forward, you know, just to to move the cause forward for for all women. <laughs> Well, for every person, yeah. you know, trans woman or yeah. trans trans male, because mm-hmm. what the we have to, I guess, get to that point where we just accept people for who they are, yeah. regardless of how they look, right? Yeah. Whether the color of their skin or if they have boobs they were born with or not, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's where society needs really should be pushing for. Yeah. And when we make such great strides. Sometimes we have hiccups in the road, mm-hmm. and we have to keep our eye on the prize for yeah. the future. Keep you know, forward. and I think with people like yourself and the community of folks that you are around, I mean, I I have great hopes that you know we won't let it slip away. Right, you and know? I I don't see that happening. A lot of a lot of people are scared, and rightfully right now, like. The amount of trans women of color that have been murdered in the last uh, year. It's almost, I think it's, if it hasn't exceeded 100, it's... In St. Louis? No, it just nationwide. Okay, okay. Nationwide. Wow. Still, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a well, lot. Well, I think it's what's special. Um, well, there's a lot of things that are special. But one <laughs> of the things is that you're somebody who's lived on both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have a perspective that is broader than... Um, you know, a lot of people are gifted with, and I think there's a lot of value there. Um, I don't do. Have we talked about this with the article I I read um, about Native Americans? And it sounds fin- okay, familiar, well, but I can't quote bring, what you said. Let me bring it up because it's <laughs> it's you know as a parting thought, it's it's amazing. So um, Native Americans recognized that um, sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as gender, mm-hmm. were a spectrum, and in Two fact, spirit. what's that? Are you familiar? Two spirit, right. familiar with it? Mm-hmm. Okay. And in fact, they they apparently um, didn't even like have set names for male and female, right? But they knew that there were people who were identified more, you know, like on the more masculine side and people mm-hmm. who identified more on the feminine side. And then there were the gradients in the middle. And they considered those who lived right in the center of both to be like the most special people because they could see both sides. Right. It's really fascinating. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot of non- non-binary folks that don't identify to the masculine or the female, the feminine, that I think get overlooked a lot in trans rights issues. Oh, like the I would. Yeah, people I that identify as non-binary, and that's finally starting to pop up in like different states where they're adding a non-binary option to the driver's license. So, okay, let me just get some explanation here. Mm-hmm. Is the non-binary the they, 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 yes, them, they, there? Them. Generally. They, them. They don't have to be there. It's they, them. Um, okay, so that's non-binary. So they wouldn't be identifying as female nor male. Right. Okay. They can, depending on their mood, can go. Right. You know. So, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, um, vocabulary mm-hmm. that, you know, I did not grow up with, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't have, I continue to have to be reminded is like, what is cis? Now I know mm-hmm. cisgender, non-cisgender, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, I 
so thankful and grateful for this show and the opportunity to talk to and get to meet you, Ruby, um, just so that we, know, we can have a greater understanding. And then when we're out talking to people, we know what they're saying. And, that, and we know what it means, and then we can then also translate it for more people. So it's fantastic. That was the hardest part about going on the gayborhood is the trans voice because I didn't know all these pronouns. <laughs> I didn't know all of the. the like, I was like, I'm so new. You were baby. But just, I, trial just by like fire. A, just, just like a girl, I don't. I don't really want to speak up because I don't really know. Yeah, like, I, mean, don't I don't want to offend yeah, anyone. I don't, don't want to make anybody upset. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this has been absolutely fantastic, Ruby. Thank you so much yeah. for My coming. Pleasure. Thank on you for clearly speaking. Yeah, yeah. Thank you well, for um, all of your just being so willing to be just throw it all out there and always. be so vulnerable and yeah. real and honest with us. Yeah, tremendous great. gift. Wonderful. We'll have to have you back on. I will. I'm sure Anytime. we have, have lots more to talk about. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you yeah, so much. Thank and, you. Uh, everybody out there, take Lovely care. to have a conversation on air with you again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.